Hi, it's Emily, and welcome to a special edition of Sliced, a Sliced Snippet. This episode was recorded in Arizona at the Unmet AZ Conference back in early October, and will be a short but inspiring look into impactful founders and notable people from the region. On today's Slice Snippet, we sit down with Max Farrell, co-founder and CEO of WorkHound. Max attended the conference and showcased his company, a real-time anonymous feedback platform for frontline workers in the trucking industry. Please enjoy my conversation with Max. Hello, Max. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. We are so excited. First question, right out of the gate, are you related to Will Farrell? I'm not. I think he spells his uh, last different. with an E. Okay. Um, I just thought I would just get that out of the way in case you were. Yeah. Not, <laughs> unfortunately, no. <laughs> no but relation. May, maybe somewhere back in like the, the Irish lineage, we're all part of the O'Farrell clan. Right. Okay. There we go. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so nice to meet you. So nice to have you here. I am excited to learn more about you and WorkHound. Awesome. Let's do it. Okay. So let's start with, you told me off air. You're from Arkansas. Yes. Is that right? Okay. How was that? <laughs> so I, I, uh, I was born and raised in, in Little Rock and, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate to have uh, a dad from Brooklyn, New York and, and a mom from small town, Arkansas. And, uh, both of them were, were business owners. So that, uh, that certainly helped spark my, my entrepreneurial journey, just seeing entrepreneurs and how they think and feel mm-hmm. every day growing up. Uh, and ultimately, you know, given my, my dad was from out of state, he did encourage me to go live out of state, move out of state, see the rest of the country. And, uh, you know, that sparked me moving to Iowa and starting my journey there. Awesome. So what kind of, so they were engaged in businesses while you were growing up? Yes. Yeah, so my, my dad builds custom furniture for a living. Uh, my mom had a, uh, a niche publishing company that she recently sold. So my mom has an exit under her belt. That's cool. Yeah, I know. That's really cool. Awesome. So then Iowa, and it looks like you went to Grinnell College. That's right. Yes. And you did sociology and American studies, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, it's funny. <laughs> I haven't had to reference what, what I did in college for a while. But yeah, I, I love solving people problems. And, and in Grinnell, um, that was one of the things I was able to do is just go explore these curiosities and write papers on, you know, the difference between moonshine and Everclear and the, the, so, the societal impacts of those things and cultural impacts. Uh, and those just weird things allowed me to just have a curiosity of what drives people, how can you make life better for people. And, you know, some of those things were the, the early developments that led to the, the problems we're trying to solve with WorkHound. Mm-hmm. And then University of Cape Town. Yes, so I did do a study abroad in uh, in Cape Town in uh, gosh, almost a decade ago. Um, but yeah, there it was that I, I did want to go study abroad, and I mm-hmm. wound up living there for for half a year. Uh, I'm I'm big into music and, and was big into music there. I wound up actually having my own radio show in uh, in South cool. Africa. So uh, when all the American students went back to the U.S. after the semester, I stayed behind to run a radio show. And uh, uh, for the for the summer, um, and yeah, built a hip hop program there. That's so cool. So hip hop is your music of choice. It it is. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I I do some rapping, not as much since before we like started you the company. Like you yourself rap? Yeah, I've uh, I've shared the stage with Jizza from Wu Tang Clan and Stop. Too Short, uh, some other artists. Yeah, I've got music videos. I got something on. I got at least one song on Spotify. Oh my gosh. Okay. 
LinkedIn doesn't show everything, y'all. <laughs> you may be wrapping in the next 10 minutes. I'm just going to give you a heads up, but we'll move past it for now. Okay, so now you have to walk us through. So how did we go from the music passion to WorkHound? And kind of could you bridge that gap and tell us about the need that you're solving with WorkHound? Yeah, so from, from the music standpoint, like I, I was really fortunate that in high school I got exposed to, to hip-hop. I started working on songs, and um, really I, I believe hip-hop is the most entrepreneurial genre. Uh, that you know, there's four elements to, to hip hop. There's the emceeing, there's the DJing, there's the break dancing, and there's the, the graffiti. But there's the unofficial fifth element of business. Mm -hmm. And so there's there's a bunch of different skills that you can gain just by running your own shows, promoting it, getting people out there uh, to to attend those that you can apply into the business world. Uh, so some of that is as far as hip hop. Hip hop taught me business more so than than anything else. Uh, just how to think about it, talk about it. Um, but then as I was finishing college, I, I was really fortunate to get a job with a, a tech company in Des Moines, Iowa called Dwalla, uh, who had raised venture capital from both coasts. There's not that many options, especially you know, earlier this decade, where you could go ride a rocket ship in the middle of the country. And in, uh, in Des Moines, we were able to do that with Dwalla. But after a few years of being there, I, I saw that people were really disengaged at work, especially at big companies. And they, they, if you look at the Gallup stats, it's 70% of people are disengaged. And so I started to think, how can you take the startup energy and apply that to an established company? And that's where this idea of corporate innovation, of how do you let people bring their voice to light, bring their ideas to the table, and bring, actually execute on them so the company becomes a better version of itself. That was what I quit my job to go do, is corporate innovation. But what I realized is that I was selling a vitamin and I really wanted to be solving a painkiller problem where you call someone and say, hey, I'm trying to solve this problem. Do you want that addressed? And they say, oh, heck yes. How can you help? And we found that in the trucking industry um, and, and other frontline workforces where turnover is really high. A lot of people quit because they don't feel respected and they don't feel like they have a voice. And the only options historically were exit interviews and annual surveys, which is either an autopsy or it's too slow because somebody can be happy on Tuesday, fed up on Wednesday, and quit by the end of the week. So we saw an opportunity to figure out how can we help companies be more proactive instead of reactive. And that led to the birth of WorkHound. Awesome. So is it a platform or an app? So we don't have – WorkHound is not an app. There's no okay. downloading or installing. We communicate with the, the workforce via text. So okay. Each week, workers are getting a text to, to share anonymous feedback. In 90 seconds or less, they're able to say, I'm not operating any machinery. Here's how I feel about work. Here's why I feel that way. And it's all open-ended. Uh, you know, Typically, companies will say, well, we need to do surveys. But surveys have bias. It's management saying, hey, we think we know what the issues are. But if you're in an industry where your turnover rate hovers around 100% year over year, you don't know what the issues are. And so we say, let's let the eyes and ears on the front line tell us and just make it open-ended. They're going to surface the real issues and identify the blind spots that we didn't even know to ask about. And so that's what we're able to do with WorkHound is find the, these uh, micro issues that lead to macro changes within a company, uh, but also help companies retain more people because they're able to identify and address those things to keep them. That's so interesting. So when the when the workers or whomever put in their answers, do they get sent to the uh, like upper level management then? Okay. Absolutely. So yeah. when, uh, when what we've learned is that getting feedback is good, 
doing something about it is better, but telling people what you did is the cherry on the Sunday. Because mm -hmm. if you do all this stuff, but then don't communicate it, people may assume you did nothing at all. Mm -hmm. So for, for WorkHound, we make sure that companies are able to dig in daily to see what sort of issues are coming in. And, and we want people to be able to understand the feedback and do something about it. So for example, a, a truck driver may say, hey, you said you'd put my wife on my insurance. You didn't do it. I'm tired of the runaround. I'm going to quit. The company sees that. They're like, gosh, this is fixable. We can do something about this. And so we built a process where a company can request to connect to this anonymous worker to say, hey, we, we think we can help. Are you willing to reveal your identity? And usually people just want to get their problem fixed, not sit right. to orientation somewhere else. And turns out we had issues like that where the, the worker said, yep, tell him who I am. Let's get this fixed. And turns out his wife was on his insurance. There was just confusion about paperwork. Oh, no. And so we actually measure that with our, our customer base. And what we found is that 90% of the time, if a company is proactive in addressing these issues on WorkHound, they will stay with that company at least 30 days after that issue is addressed. And this year, in 2021, we've helped companies retain over 4,000 workers at their companies just simply by being proactive and getting ahead of the issues. Awesome. And so what are the what did you say the main industries are that you guys are in right now? So the, the supply chain has been a focus for us. Uh, trucking has certainly been a, uh, an industry where, where we've grown the most. Uh, so we have over 60,000 workers on the platform right now at companies across the country. Some companies have hundreds of people. Some, peop some companies have thousands of people. Uh, but what's really been rewarding is watching these companies change their culture after putting WorkHound in place. So it's served as a baseline to, for companies to go from you know, referencing spreadsheets to determine people decisions to starting to have a culture of curiosity to really understand, hey, what are our people thinking and feeling and wishing and wanting? Mm -hmm. And let's do something about it. And there's a lot of great insights about how that company can become a better version of itself if you just listen to your people. Right, and kind of get out in front of the problem instead of waiting for it for exactly. them to bring it to you. Exactly, you know? because if if workers feel like it's a fight or flight moment where they feel ignored, the only power that is left is to leave. So as as a company, if you're really wanting to be a company of choice, you have to make it where your your people will voice the issues and want to work with you on them. Because if they feel like they have no option to work through an issue, they're just going to go to the next place where they hope that company will. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like an awesome product. I'm curious, though, when you were first getting started, how difficult was it for you as a first-time founder to kind of go through the minutia of the VC world, of you know the fundraising and all of that kind of thing? Although you did see it from your parents a little bit, was it hard for you to kind of step into that world? So I think the, the biggest mistake that, that early founders make, and, and a lot of uh, startup programs make, is they focus on the investment side. That uh, I, I don't think the, the best sales solves everything. That's the simplest way to put it. That if you go out and get customers, the money will present itself mm -hmm. loud and clear for, for fundraising. But if you're trying to build a business to then go get capital, to then go get customers, that that's backwards in, in my mind. And so... I wish that the accelerator programs of the world would, would spend way less time focusing on here's how to go appeal to investors and here's how to go appeal to your customers and, and build such a revenue model where you'll get a deal done in weeks because it's such an attractive offering. And uh, you know, as far as startup ecosystems, that's where I think we, we get it wrong and where I think we can evolve. Is that what you did? Did you start with sales and the product? 
So we got, we started at an accelerator with nothing. I think we got $20,000 to start with. Andrew and I didn't pay ourselves for the first year. And we did. We built the first version of our product. We got our first customer, started to get our first few more. Uh, I believe it was 18 months before we raised uh, our first round of $500,000. And at that point, um, we were maybe at what $5,000 in monthly recurring revenue. But it took a while to get to that point. But mm -hmm. we at least proved, hey, we've been able to keep a customer. We've been able to get revenue. And I, I think that that means the world. Now, along that journey, we got distracted plenty of times by trying to go um, say, oh, we need to go raise 200. But really, we didn't need to go raise 200. We needed to just dial 100 times a day and, and cold call. Mm -hmm. Like that's the skill set that I would teach founders is here's how you go sell. Because if you have no customers and no brand recognition, you're in a corner and you just have to get yourself out and you just have to cold call your way out of it. At least mm -hmm. that's my perspective on it. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Andrew. Yeah. Is he your co-founder? Andrew's my co-founder. How did you guys meet? So we met in the uh, the Des Moines startup uh, community. So okay. uh, Andrew was an organizer for the startup weekends in Des Moines. Uh, startup weekend was very impactful for my entrepreneurial journey and just being able to see that and simulate that process. And so I actually helped launch the ones, the startup weekends in Arkansas, where I'm from. Uh, so we shared a common bond on, on community and, and culture. And uh, as I had some of these, uh, these early concepts around how could you tackle these, these turnover challenges in these frontline workforces, I remember sitting down with Andrew over a beer and said, hey, there's this application for this program in Omaha. Can I, can I just put your name down? as uh, as my co-founder because they're not going to take me seriously as a non-technical co-founder uh, and you're technical you you know not only product management you know software development um, let me just put your name down we had a few beers he said yeah sure that's fine and later that week that uh, accelerator said hey we, we love this founding team we think this is a really interesting problem if you guys are willing to move to omaha for three months to start this thing let's do it <laughs> he was like oh my gosh what did i sign up for well yeah so so ultimately I, i'm really fortunate that that uh he decided to quit his job and, and join me and, and start this this wild journey uh we you know as far as workhound's journey it's littered with all sorts of stories of how lean and scrappy we've been probably too much sometimes so andrew if you ever listen to this i'm sorry for some of those moments <laughs> um, but uh you know we we did what it took to to get this thing off the ground that's so cool you mentioned being scrappy is there a particular obstacle that you remember having to overcome to get to where you are today and ultimately how did you get through it um well, going back to the sales thing, you, just learning how to, to sell and, and yeah. build out a sales process and understanding when is somebody ready to buy. Um, yeah, I, I remember early on, I didn't know how to cold call. I had to have somebody, fortunately, a mentor in one of the accelerators taught me just how to cold call and pick up the phone and make those connections. But then ultimately is, is figuring out what are, the, what are the, the actual inflection points in getting somebody to buy a product. Because I would get somebody to, to do a demo of Workhound, and I'd be like, oh, man, they're going to do a demo. They're going to be a customer. No. Just because somebody does a demo doesn't mean they're going to be a customer. Mm -hmm. There's way more that goes into it. So understanding how to sell sales strategy and all that has been probably the, the, the biggest benefit for, for us. We hear a lot that being an entrepreneur, you have to get pretty comfortable with rejection. I imagine in those cold calling days, was it hard? to hear to get a lot of no's um you learn to love the cold call it's you you warp your mind in weird ways it's the same thing if you're going out to raise venture capital 
because actually I think in both times when we've raised rounds, like the, the conversion rate of having a conversation or just reaching out to someone versus them becoming a, an investor or a customer is like less than 5%. So it becomes a numbers game. So statistically, you know, 95% of the time you're just going to get rejected. And so you learn the process of what ridiculous reason did somebody reject you or, um, you know, just um, mourning the, the, the challenges of somebody hanging up on you on a call and just riding that roller coaster of the highs and lows. So, yeah, rejection is a, a reality, but, you know, if you keep riding, it, the formula I've found is that pain plus passion plus persistence equals payoff. Pain plus passion plus persistence equals payoff. Yep. So, all right. I like that. That's a nice little mantra. It holds true. Yeah. So where do you see the future of WorkHound going? And then second part of that question, do you see any other ventures in your future? Do you feel like you could continue to iterate and continue to go on this journey? Journey is in the entrepreneurial journey or the yeah. WorkHound journey? The entrepreneurial. So on, on the WorkHound side first, yeah. um, there, there's a few things we're really excited about. So first off, what we saw was a, a tremendous opportunity in the employment life cycle, specifically in the steady state of employment. So you think there's all this money that goes into recruiting people to join a company, but as soon as they join, it's just like, hey, good luck. Hope you don't leave. So we fill a really good gap there. But now we have customers that are saying, hey, we want you to do more. Help us with onboarding. Help us with understanding why people left. Help us rehire them if, if we've lost them and continue to expand our presence in that uh, employment life cycle. But on the other standpoint, we are starting to see more and more companies and in, in other industries say we have these same challenges, whether mm -hmm. it's healthcare or other parts of the supply chain that are, are trying to figure out, hey, we have this specialized workforce. It costs us five to $15,000 every time we have to replace a team member and we want to get ahead of the curve. Can you help us? And we certainly can. And we're building out the capacity to get there and serve them. That's so cool. I'm actually curious. I was going to ask something else, but I'm going to do this now. What about COVID? Have you noticed that people, I think a lot of people made some pretty significant career changes perhaps and really took time to evaluate how they were being treated and how they felt in their current roles? Did you notice any sort of uptick in people being more vocal and willing to share their experiences? Uh, as far as through the feedback and mm -hmm. work hound, mm -hmm. uh, certainly. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that was one of the things that really stood out loud and clear is that there was a tremendous amount of uncertainty amongst all of us, but especially amongst the workforces that we serve. And they, they didn't know what was going on, not only from like, in society, but also you know, from, from the health of their company. Did their, mm -hmm. did their company still have the same customers? Did they lose some? What was, what were the company's policies around COVID? And you're spot on that the, the companies that were able to ride through this stronger were the ones that really spent time controlling the message to, to make sure to tell people, um, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's the, the current status and health of our business. Here's the things that we're trying to figure out in order to better serve you. But every, every decision we're making is to, to make sure we protect you all. Uh, the, so basically the companies that uh, showed their people, hey, we're listening and we're working to get better, those are the ones that people remembered, I was taken care of here yep. and I want to be here. Which creates loyalty in the exactly. long run as well, right? Mm -hmm. 
Well, you already mentioned kind of just organically a few piece of, pieces of advice, but I am curious, is there any one thing that you would, if you could go back in time, tell your younger self when you were just getting started? Oh, man. Um, I, again, I think it comes down to, you know, sales solves everything. Um, and make sure you're continuously aligned with your, your team because that's all you got. And there were, you know, I think with, with Andrew and I, we're, we're really good yin and yang. You know, he's the hacker, I'm the hustler. Um, but, you know, there were, there were times where we'd, we'd have challenges around, um, you know, what to take on next. But what we realized is that we were always aligned on the North Star of where we wanted to go as a business, where we had friction, where, you know, what were the tactics to get there? And so once we always came back to the North Star of re remembering, hey, we're on the same page, we're going after the same thing, we have different approaches to get there, uh, let's, get on, let's get on the same page there, then that made that journey a heck of a lot easier. So making sure we stayed continuously aligned was really helpful. So where do you see, last question, where do you see WorkHound in like the next 10 years? Oh man, twenty, twenty-five years. I'm just kidding. Oh man, uh, it's it's uh, you know the the best thing that we can do is is give a voice to as many workers as possible, um, and also give companies more ways to to understand what their people are saying. You know, what we what we know is that anybody can go gather feedback, uh, but what what's really hard is making that feedback actionable and digestible. And we're really good at it. We can get even better at it. And those are the things that we'll do is continue to expand who we serve and how we serve them. And if we do that, where companies have a better partnership with their workforce because they're listening to them and see the economic value in mm -hmm. doing that, we've done a, a, a good job. Well, I look forward to seeing where WorkHound is in the next 10 years then. <laughs> I do as well. <laughs> and I lied. This is my last question. What motivates you every day? Our team. Um, yeah, the, the, our team motivates me. Um, you know, they rode with us through the pandemic. Uh, there, you know, there's certainly highs and lows in, in the business, but every, with all this uncertainty around us, everybody rolled up their sleeves and just kept pushing forward. Uh, so I'm really grateful to our team, and I, I don't want to let them down. You know, they, they've done a, a tremendous job in, in helping us uh, grow as a company and helping me become a better version of myself. So I'm grateful for them, and you know, we wouldn't be here without them. Awesome. Very impactful. Thank you, Max. Thank you. Thanks for sitting down. Absolutely. Really enjoyed chatting with you and look forward to seeing more work count in the future. Thank you. I look forward to seeing more of you all doing the podcast. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Sliced Podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode of Sliced, please email newsroom at startupblogpost.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.